begin to make your way to the book of Philippians, if you would. It was uh, 1986 um, in Houston, Texas at the Astrodome, July 15th, uh, the World Series. It was the debut, it was his first World Series of um, the Rocket, Roger Clements. Roger Clements was the starting pitcher for the American League, uh, the ace of the Boston Red Sox at the time, and uh, he was selected to be the starting pitcher for the American League. And uh, it was the exciting thing for him, his first All-Stars, uh, great moment for him, a big accomplishment for his, his life. First inning comes up, he goes out, does fine. Second inning comes up, similar thing. Uh, but in the second inning of that game, Roger was asked to do something that he had not done in a very, very long time. Um, the way the All-Star game works is that each year, the National League and the American League swap rules, and they alternate rules for each league each year. This year, it happened to be the National League's rules. And in the National League rules, the pitcher has to hit. So in the ninth hole, usually, the pitcher has to come up to hit bat. In the American League, uh, designator hits in the place of the pitcher. And that's also the way it is in college baseball as well. So in Rogers' college career and in his uh, baseball career, uh, with the Red Sox and American League team. He hadn't been batting. He hadn't batted in a long, long, he hadn't batted since high school. And so here he is in a major league game, the best of the best, he has to bat. He comes up to the box and he is facing the National League best pitcher of the year, Dwight Doc Gooden. I mean, that guy was incredible at that time. So he comes up, you can see that he doesn't quite remember what he's supposed to do. I mean, he makes what looks like a couple of practice swings. He steps in the box, and before his reflexes ever kick in, the first pitch is in the mid of the catcher. He steps back, and he's like, whoa. He looks at the catcher, the kid, Gary Carter, and he says, Gary, do my pitches look like that? To which Gary replies, man, you bet they do. Well, as you can imagine, two more pitches come by. Roger is headed back to the dugout, struck out in three pitches. But it changed something in him at that moment for the rest of that game. You see, he had forgotten what it was like to face Major League Baseball pitcher. And when he realized the aggression and domination, the fear that he was able to put into people, it changed his confidence in that moment. And for the rest of the game, he pitched a perfect game. For the next three innings, nobody touched first base. He ended up, uh, the American League ended up winning that game, and he ended up becoming the MVP. And really not just that moment in that game, that really changed and, and, and shaped the trajectory of his, of his major career um, after that. That wasn't the first All-Stars he went. It was a 10-time All-Star after that, so 11 All-Stars. He was a seven-time Cy Young winner, and he won two World Series championships. He was an incredible pitcher because he had major confidence in his ability. Hey, what gives you confidence? When your back's pressed up against the wall, when you're walking through something difficult, when you're faced with a circumstance and situation that, that is a little bit daunting, that you're not quite sure what you should do, when you get some bad news, when you're facing and fighting temptation, when you're going through this thing called life, what gives you confidence 
to keep pressing on, to keep moving on. Because obviously something has, because you're still here today. You're still going. You're still moving. Something has given you confidence. Hey, what, what gives our church confidence? Where does our confidence come from as a church? In Paul's letter to a church that he was very, very close to, a young church, Paul writes from a prison to encourage them. And in verse 6, Paul references the confidence he has, not just in his own personal walk with Christ, and in all the personal walks with Christ that the people within that church, but specifically he references the confidence that he has in that church. I want to draw your attention to it this morning. We're just going to look at one verse together in Paul's letter. That doesn't mean it's going to be a really, really short sermon, so just be warned by that. <laughs> Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Most of you are probably familiar with this if you've been around the Bible or church for some time, but I want to draw your attention afresh to it this morning. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Would you stand in honor of God's word this morning. Listen to what Paul writes here to his dear friends, this young church in Philippi. He says this in verse 6, I am sure of this. Some of your Bible translations may say, I am confident. I'm certain. I am absolutely sure. I know without a shadow of a doubt, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray you speak to us this morning and that you'd give us confidence in your work, your plan, and your purpose in us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. You are a work in progress. Now some of you, your, your spouse probably says that to you all the time. You and I are a work in progress. If you know Jesus Christ, if you've come to the place and point in your life where you know Jesus Christ, a work has begun in you, and there is progress happening in that work. You are not there yet. But that work, that work that he is doing is where our confidence comes from. Paul writes to this church and says, I'm confident of this. I am certain of this. His confidence came from the fact that God had a purpose and God was working in this place. It wasn't in a confidence that he had in this church's biblical knowledge necessarily. It wasn't a confidence that he had in their money. It wasn't a confidence that he had in their, 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 their power or their strength or their experience or their history. His confidence was in the fact that God had begun a work in them. That's where our confidence should come to as followers of Christ. Not in our strength, not in our experience, not in our personality, not in our success, not in our ability to get it done and push through, but in what God has purposed and set aside and set out to do in us. That's where our confidence the backs are pushed against the wall. That's what we have to lean upon. God's work in us. I want to share with you this morning, I want to show you as we look at this verse of why that should give us confidence. Why his work 
in us should give us confidence no matter what we face or what we go through. And the first thing is this, because it's God's work. It's his work. Listen to what Paul says, verse 6. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you. Paul's very clear about what this work is and where this work is coming from. The work is coming from God. He began a good work. It was his decision. It was his beginning. It was him that did it. The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 that he is the author and founder and perfecter of our faith. This is his work. If you've come to know Christ, it's his work in you, not yours. You and I brought nothing to the table. You and I didn't start this work. You and I have anything to do with this work beginning in us. It was his work from the beginning. He began the good work in you. He owns it. Nothing good about you and nothing good about me has brought anything to the table. We didn't initiate it. We didn't, he, he began the good work. Do you remember when that work began in you? For me, it was May the 23rd. 1987, I was sitting in Children's Church at First Baptist Church in Genoa, Texas. And there is a six-year-old boy, not understanding a whole lot of things, but God revealed to me by the power of the Holy Spirit that I am a sinner and that without the work of Christ, I'm hopeless and lost. And that I needed to turn from my sin and trust in Jesus. And at that moment, that day, during that invitation, the work began. It started for me. Do you remember when it started for you? He began. The work has a beginning. Hey, every basketball game has a tip-off. Every baseball game has a first pitch. Every football game has a kickoff. At some point in time, it should have started. And, it, and if you don't know when that is, if you're not certain or if you're, I'm not really sure, maybe to really examine whether that work really has begun in you. Because he began it. There's a starting point, a starting place of that work. He's the author of that. It's his work that he begins in us. And in that work that he's doing, something magnificent is happening in us with this work he's doing in us. Christ is living in you. The work that he is doing in you is his work. And he begins that work and he continues that work by putting Christ in us and living in us. Paul said this to the church of Galatia in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. He says this, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, when this work begins, he takes over. He has control and domination of your life and the agenda of your life and the future of your life and the purpose of your life. It belongs to him. You give that over to him by faith when you trust in Christ. And it's his work from that point forward. Belongs to him. He who began a good work in you. And that beginning is more than just a moment. That work is more than just a moment. It's not just that he begins. The idea of this beginning is not just an event that took place in the past, but it's a, an event that took place in the past that carries on meaning today now, that is active and alive today now. So there was a starting point, but there's a continuation of it through our lives. 
He began this work, but he's not stopped this work. He's not paused this work. He is working this work. He has started something in us. And the start was not the end. When you gave your life to Christ, when the work began in you, it was like you boarded a ship that is headed to a journey, headed to a destination. And that destination is incredible along the way. Paul speaks of that destination. Paul speaks of this work in Philippians chapter 2. We're going to look a whole lot more at this book together in the weeks and months ahead. But just note what he says here in verse 13. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work his good pleasure. And then Paul personally speaks of this work that's happening in him. And what Paul Paul realized about this work that's happening in him is that it's, it's still moving in him. It's, he's not quite there, that God's got him on a process and journey. Listen to what he says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Not that I've already attained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I, I don't consider to have made it my own yet. One thing I do forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ, of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. What Paul's saying is, listen, I'm, I'm not there yet. But God is working in me to take me to a particular place, to develop something in me and do his work in me. And I'm pressing forward. I'm moving on. I'm moving forward because I want this work to continue. I want this work to move forward in me. All of us are at work in progress. We are his work in progress. Our spiritual growth is up to him. And he is the author, perfecter of it, and he is working it in us. Now, there's a couple of things you and I need to understand about this, about his work. It's his work, not our work. But also understand this, none of us are where God wants us to be tomorrow. And also, none of us are at the same place in this work. There's several hundred people in this room, and not one of us is in the same place with this work that he's doing in us. You're in a different place than I am, and I'm in a different place that you are. We're not in the same place. He's working this work in us. The work's not measured by the starting point, nor is the work measured by where others are. That's the problem that we so oftentimes make in this work that he's doing with us. See, it's his work. But so oftentimes, we get in this nasty, as believers, this nasty comparison of his work in us compared to other people. And there's a couple angles that we take. One is the really negative angle that we take. We look at what he's doing in us, and we look at what he's doing in other people, and then we're like, well, how come you're not doing that in me? You know, how come they get that? How come they're this far along? How come they experience that? But the other side of this is we, we measure ourselves up and compare ourselves up. Man, we are bad about this. We, we look at other people and we judge where we are on the spectrum by where they are on the spectrum. So, so man, I'm not really that bad because look at that person. At least I'm not like them. 
or I'm not really that great yet. I've got further to go because look at where that person is. And so forth. And we get in this job of comparing each other, which is really judging each other. Measuring and sizing ourselves up. Well, they just need to grow. They just need to move along. Or they're not right with God. I'm sorry. When did God ask for your help? In discerning and determining where another person is. When did he say, hey, yo, like, my son on the cross wasn't good enough, so I need your help to help me figure out where everyone is. And I need you to make a determination of where everyone is and what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong and what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong compared to them. Like, like where in this book that says that? Is it in your hymnal? Where is it? Listen, where another person is in their journey with God is none of your business. All right? It's not my business. It's not your business. It's God's business and their business. You got your own business. And I can promise you, if the Holy Spirit of God were to show up right now and show up in your face, he'd have some things to point out to you that need to be addressed in your business. So you worry about your business and the work that God is doing in you. Because he is doing a work. If you know Christ, you are on a journey and he is working on you. That's where our confidence is that it's his work. But our confidence goes further. Paul's confidence goes further than just the fact that it's not just his work. But listen, it's also not just God's work, his work. It's also a good work. This is what Paul says. I'm confident in this. I'm certain of this, that he who began a good work. Now, sometimes this work doesn't feel so good, does it? Like, it feels really bad sometimes. It's not what we asked for. It's not what we called for. Like, the journey that God has us on, like, it meets this unfair turn, this difficult circumstance, these difficult situations. But God says it's good work. He who began a good work in you. What God is doing in you is good. Why? It was pretty simple. Because he's good. See, nothing he does cannot be good. Like everything this good God does is good. And so if he's determined to do a work in you, if he's begun something in you, the outcome of that, the journey of that, and every step along the way in that is good in it. Billy Graham used to always say, you've heard it a lot of times, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Man, he was so right. Like our good God with a lot of love for you actually has a really good plan for your life. He's not shortchanging you or short-stroking you in this. He's got an incredible plan for your life that's headed a good way. And every step along the way, every part of the journey, even if it doesn't seem so good, even if it's difficult, it is good because it's coming from a good God. Here's how it's good. This plan, this work that he's doing on you is good because, listen, it's for his glory. God's work in you is so beyond you. It's more. Listen. Oh, we need to hear this. God's work for you is more than just giving you a better life and making your life happier. God's work transcends 
human happiness. It goes beyond our limited human perspective. And God's work in us is ultimately determined and good because it's for His glory. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than my now. It's bigger than my here. It's bigger than where I am. It's bigger than us. It's His and for His glory. Listen to what, listen to what Isaiah says, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 7. He says, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, who I formed and made. This work in you ultimately is not about you. It's about him and his glory. That's why it's so good. Because he lifts it out of who we are and it's for him. Scripture says, I know the plans that I have for you. God is the orchestrator. God's an architect. God's putting this thing together. He's the potter. We're the clay. And what he's putting together is all for his glory. It's also good because, listen, in this good work that he's doing in you, one of the main intentions for his glory in this good work is to make you more into his image. This work that he's doing in you and me is to make us more like him. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, Paul says this, so all of us who have had the veil removed, can see and reflect the glory of God. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. This work that God is doing in you is to make you more like Him. There is the answer, by the way, to the why of what you're going through. And we hit these roadblocks, we hit these moments all the time in life, and we're just like, why are you doing this? Why is this? Why now? Why here? Why? The why is ultimately to transform you more into his image. Because his image is better than your image. Somebody got it. Butler got it. But did you get that? His image is better than your image. Like your image is, is dying, decaying. His image is eternal. It transcends the decay of this earth. You know, the cool thing about about your physical image is that your physical image you can change somewhat, can't you? I think that all of us in this room could probably, if we were to be honest, like if we were, if we were to have just a gut level kind of private conversation, we would all be honest that there's probably some things about our physical features that we don't like. I mean, you've been staring at that thing in the mirror for all your life. And over time, you've gotten kind of tired of it, haven't you? Like you've noticed some flaws in it. And you, there's just some things that you wish that you could change. My nose is too big. My cheeks are too fat. I'm too short. I'm too tall. My butt's too big. I've got cankles. And not me, you, okay? <laughs> I've got wrinkles. Like if we were to be honest, my hair's falling out. I don't have any hair. It's turning a different color. Like we would, we would have to say that our physical image, like we wish we could change. And you know the beauty of American technology and medicine and the ingenuity of us as Americans is that we now have the ability to help you change that. 
You can pay someone a lot of money, and they can just about change any physical attribute and issue that you may have. Your nose is too big. We can shrink it. It's too small. We can make it bigger. You're too fat. We'll just suck it out. You got too many wrinkles? Hey, well, somebody came along the way and invented this thing called Botox. We'll put that right in those wrinkles, and they will go away, and you'll look funny, but we will love it. <laughs> no offense. We love it. We can change these, but you know what? Listen, 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 listen. No amount of human ingenuity or money or technology or experience or history can change our spiritual image, which lasts forever. That's why the work of God in us is so good because it touches that which we can't touch and it does in us what we could never do to make us and transform our depraved and decaying and dying spiritual image into the eternal living image of Jesus Christ and that is good work and that's where our confidence is, that God, what he's doing in us is bringing us and working in us to his plan. That every step along the way, it's good because part of it is his work. And he's a good God and he's moving, into, moving us towards where he wants us to be. It's his work. It's good work. And listen, listen. This is the great one of the greatest promises of the Bible. And this is one of the places that we've got to lean upon. And we've got to come, when our backs are against the wall, when we're fighting and frustrated, when we're not seeming to get where we want to be, we've got to understand what Paul finishes this verse with. This work that he's doing. Listen, it's good, it's his work, but mm, he will finish the work. I am sure of this, Paul says that he who began a good work will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. You see, the work had a starting point. There was a starting line. But the beauty of our God and the beauty of his work in us is that it doesn't just start, it finishes. It has a starting line, it has a finishing line. And somewhere along the way is where you're at. You're in between the starting and the finish, if you've come to know Christ, somewhere along the way you're there. And he's taking you to the finish line. But you and I need to understand there is a finish line. Because our God finishes what he starts. Every starting line God has crossed, he has also crossed the finish line. There are no finishes, finish lines left uncrossed. There are no tasks left undone. Everything he starts, he completes. Everything he begins, he finishes. That is not the case with us, though. There's a lot of things I've started that I haven't completed. Don't judge me. We already talked about that. You do it, too. I guarantee you, somewhere in your house, whether it's a notebook or in your refrigerator, you got a list of things you're supposed to be doing. Your spouse might have written them down or asked you to write them down, and you have not completed those tasks yet. You've started some of them, but you have, we all do that. We, we have this ability to not finish what we start. But God is not like that. 
God that finishes everything he starts. And he will finish what he is doing in you. He will not leave it undone, nor will he leave it delayed or stalled out. Right now, even the very fact that you're sitting in this room is part of God finishing his work in you. You know, I think sometimes, so often, we lack confidence. We have our backs against the wall and we lack confidence because we forget that God is not a man. Because men, people, women, don't finish what they start so often. You remember the day, some of you do, a lot of you in this room are not old enough to remember this. I, I'm not even sure I'm old enough to remember the day that, that, that a handshake could end a deal and that would be all you had to do. Is that when you shook a person's hand, there was an agreement, it was a binding contract, like you shook hands, you exchanged words. You remember the day when a word meant something and when a person said they were going to do something or agreed to do something, it was final and finished and that was good. He was good, he was good as his word. If he said he would do it, he'd do it. You remember that day. Well, as we move forward, we realize, yeah, so a lot of people didn't do that. They broke contract. They failed to do what they were doing. So we added things. Like we, we realized today that in order to bind it, you can, you can shake a hand, you can say a word, but hey, listen, it's not a done deal until you sign a piece of paper, until you sign a contract. And the contract's not big enough. We've got to make these like really big contracts, all right? You buy a house. It's not one piece of paper that you sign. It's like 18,000 pieces of paper that you sign over and over and over. Sign date, sign date, sign date, sign date. Why? Because we want to make sure, they want to make sure that you're good on your word. And that if you're not good on your word, well, then it goes into a legal process. And there's a whole slew of attorneys and legal processes to, to handle things when people break contract and don't do what they said they would do, even though they've signed their name to it. There's, there's hearings and all sorts of other things that come when people don't do what they say they're going to do, when a person's not good for their word. And you and I have lived the failure of that and the frustration of that. When a person said something, but in reality it wasn't true. It didn't happen. We got scars. We got pain. We got history. Because man fails. But God doesn't fail. God's not a man. When God says, I have started a work, God will complete it. That's where our confidence is. He began a work in you, and he will finish it. That's what gets us through moment by moment, day by day, circumstance by circumstance. Not our ingenuity, not our power, but the fact that God is doing something and God will finish what he started. And I want you to know, I believe that for this church. God has a purpose and a work for this church. And he will finish it. He will continue it. In fact, he's doing it right now. He's walking us through it and working us through it. And he's doing that in you. We should never be, because of this work that he's doing in us, because of this work he's we should never be 
content, satisfied, or stagnant where we're at. He's got this work moving in us. He wants to move us along. He's working. And the worst thing that we can do is just rest in it and be satisfied with where we're at and stagnant. You know what the problem with stagnation is? Stagnation stinks. And when we get satisfied, fat and happy, content with where we are in our walk with Christ and this journey that he's, you know what, we stink. The truth of the matter, and I'm not, I, I, I'm not pointing fingers because the point, fingers are pointing back at me. Listen, some of us stink. When you open your mouth, it stinks, even though you brushed your teeth this morning. When you wake up, it stinks because you're stuck. You've halted. You've stopped. Allowing God to move you through his plan, his work. His will. We should never be satisfied with where our prayer life is or our time with the Lord or our witness or our growth or our work or the fruits of the spirits in us. You have not arrived. And yesterday is not good enough for today. We've got to keep moving forward. So let me just for a moment be your coach and say, let's move it along. Let's move it along. Let's move it along. Wake up. Let's move it along. Yesterday wasn't good enough. A decade ago wasn't good enough. Let's move it along. Get on your knees, get on your face, and let's let God work in you. Let's continue this work. Let's let him continue to move us forward. Get it along, move it along, wake up. Don't let stagnation, contentment, and a sense of satisfaction that I've arrived. No. You're God's work in progress. So be confident in his work and let him do his work. In you. And also listen, because of this work that he's moving and that he's gonna finish, this is a cool thing. We can see obstacles as opportunities. If God's working, and if you really trust the work that he's doing. And if you really believe that God is working something in you and through you, then there's nothing that happens by accident. And that the obstacles you face are not obstacles for God, they're opportunities. And the Bible is full of so many examples of this. You can actually look at it tonight in Life Group. One of the greatest examples of this, God by the name of Abraham. Obstacle number one, he was old. Obstacle number two, he didn't have any kids. Obstacle number three, his wife was old. Obstacle number three, they, they were not fertile, they couldn't do it. Couldn't have kids. But the story is, is that God used those obstacles for opportunities. Moses faced them. David faced them. Daniel faced them. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego faced them. Jesus faced them. The disciples faced them. And every day, every year, from that point forward, and on and on and on, and through the row and through the pews and through your lives, obstacles. But those obstacles, when you have your confidence in the work he's moving in, are not obstacles. They're opportunities for God to do his work, for God to show us something, for God to do the miraculous, for God to move us along, for God to teach us something, shape us in some way, do something in us. They're opportunities. And so we should be confident. 
because we are God's work in progress. When you began the journey, if you've begun the journey, when the work began, there is a word the Bible tells us that we must have to receive the work in us. Do you know that word? I'll give you a hint. It starts with an F, ends with an eighth. Faith. Faith is how we receive the incredible, miraculous grace and mercy of Jesus Christ in our life, the salvation. That's when the work begins, when we place our faith in Jesus, when we put our faith in his work, and that work begins. But I want you to understand something. We forget this sometimes, that the word that began us in this, the word that we put into action to receive the gift of Jesus is the same thing we got to show today. It never stops. Faith. It was once faith, and it's today faith. And every step along the way, we got to have faith in him in doing his work, that he will bring it to completion. Faith is the confidence in his work in progress and that he will finish what he started. Listen, God has something he wants to do in you. God has something he wants to develop in you. And he is doing it. So trust him. Have confidence that what he starts, he finishes. And you're not there yet. And you won't be there, and he won't be finished until you stand before him. And until that time, you and I and our church, just like this church in Philippi, are a collective group of people, different places, different walks, different parts that are just a work in progress. So let's have confidence, faith in his good work that he will finish. Let's pray.